Well, praise God. You know, I just thank everybody again for helping make that happen and being here to work and support and pull it off. You know, it was one of those days, you know, lost the hot water heater, lost the septic system, rained on us, 80 kids ran out of food. I mean, it was every obstacle you could possibly imagine thrown at us, but y'all came through like troopers, overcame, kids were blessed, heard the gospel, and that's what it's all about. Amen. So praise God. Thank y'all for that. And uh, it was it was impressive. So praise God. Uh, this morning, we were really blessed. You know, uh, just to back up for just a second, you know, years ago, I mean, I'm talking about when Laura and I first started serving the Lord. I, uh, man, I was so hungry for the Lord and just, just wanting to hear God speak to me. And uh, I was driving down the road one day and I was going to work. And uh, I just, oh, come on, you know, Lord, I just need a word. I need a word. I need a word. And I remember it's just like, just like God descended in my truck and spoke to me. And he spoke three words. He said, be faithful, be consistent, don't quit. That was his word. And I was like, well, that, I mean, I wanted something better. I wanted like, you know, Robert, you know, oh, it's going to be glory. Hallelujah. Down the road and this and that and the other. But be faithful, be consistent, don't quit. And I wrote it down on a little piece of paper in my truck and I set it there and I've kept it all these years. And, uh, so when I look at what God's doing, I look at faithfulness. I look at what, you know, God is a faithful God to us. He's faithful in what he does. He's always there. He's always consistent. He never stops. He never stops blessing us. And that's who we're supposed to be like. Well, years ago, when we first started ministering up here, uh, Pastor Charles and Michelle were pastoring a church over in Hondo. And we used to go to the same camps and do some of the same things. They were doing work in Mexico. We were doing work in Mexico and a lot of different things. And and they were faithful over in that church for 30 plus years, right? 28 years. Hey, that's my year this year. And so 28 years they were there pastoring faithfully, just doing like what, like what you know, you see here happen in church. And they, they loved Jesus and, and did a great work. And then one day Charles is walking through uh, Walmart and speaks to him. And uh, now they're ministering in Ethiopia. So they went from Hondo to Ethiopia. And so anyway, I've just always been blessed by them because of their faithfulness to the Lord. I, I've known them all these years uh, in the 28 years there. You know, I've known they were there. I went to the very, one of the very first meetings after I got saved in their church. And so there's been this relationship over the years, and I just really honor them. And, and I'm so blessed by them because of their faithfulness. And so they're with us this morning. Just got in, fresh off of the boat from Ethiopia. And so, Pastor Charles, come on up here. Or Michelle, if you want to say something or whatever, whatever y'all got worked out this morning, and come on up here and uh, bless the people. Y'all give them a hand clap. Ooh, praise God. Pastor Lord, where'd you go? Okay, Charles was sitting in your spot. <laughs> And I wanted to just tell you how awesome the worship was this morning. I just felt like I was communing with the Holy Spirit. And it was just me and him and him and me. And I mean, just his presence was here this morning engaging, you know, engaging me. Did you feel engaged this morning? Amen. Amen. And so thank you so much, the whole team. Thank you for bringing uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to come and just dwell amongst us. Amen? Well, Pastor Robert, dark coffee, strong coffee, 
famous coffee, okay, Tomoka. And um, so anyway, so I will, I'm going to send you some. I'm going to send you one by mail and not by horse and buggy, but by mail. And then you can share one with the church sometime. Just share a portion. Okay, this one's yours, but I'll send you some. I, I have some extras, so here you go. Can you catch? <laughs> and uh, one of the things, uh, Pastor Robert and Miss Laura, whenever uh, the, during that worship time, that worship time is my engaging with the Lord to make sure I'm on track. Yes, I'm worshiping him, but I'm always making sure, hey, everything's okay. And, you know, just getting in his presence. So it's not just about, oh, Lord, fill me. I'm like, okay, Lord, get me ready. What do you want me to do? You know, what's happening? How can we work together? You know, what do I, how do I need to prepare? But um, whenever the worship was going on, Pastor Robert, I just felt like the Lord kept bringing you to my face and kept saying, Mexico, 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 Mexico. So I don't know if you're going to go, you're going to, this church is going to plant some churches. I don't know what type of apostolic work holds in your future, but I do know that there's expansion coming along that way. So let's just extend our hands as a church family towards your pastors that they'll have the mind of Christ. Father God, we just thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, that you do all things well. And whatever it is concerning Mexico and whatever it is concerning Guatemala and the Spanish-speaking people, we just thank you for enhancement, expansion, Father, the mind of Christ, and for the finances to come to be able to do those things. For even as a body, you'll walk forward. Even as a body of believers, you'll walk forward. And you'll see great fruit come out because of that. You'll see salvations. You'll see souls that'll be delivered. You'll see people fed. And even the Lord will be pleased in that of which you do. So even begin to set some back aside in your savings account. Account. Because there's coming a day when your pastor will ask you to engage financially, even in a greater way. And you'll say, Lord, Lord, that's what you asked me to do. And you'll come and you'll say, pastors, pastors, this is what the Lord has said for me to bring us a gift to the nations. And so, Father, we just thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus for your goodness to this church and working through them as a body. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good. Um, I'm going to let uh, Pastor Charles just talk a little bit more about Ethiopia, but I wanted to encourage you as a body. Um, how many of y'all saw Jurassic Park? Long time ago, right? Um, but do you remember in Jurassic Park where uh, everybody was running through the fields trying to get away from that smaller dinosaur. I don't remember what the name of that dinosaur was. And they were running through like cornfields or some kind of fields. And then people, uh, they were going and grab, those dinosaurs were grabbing people and pulling them down. And they were gone. What kind of dinosaurs were those? There you go. That's a big word. Okay. I have a real heart for our young and I've had lots of conversations um, with many moms and dads and pastors, 
And sometimes I, I just, I, you, that picture comes to me, comes to my mind, that big field where all of us are as believers. But those dinosaurs are coming and they're pulling people under. They're pulling them under. And just as a body of Christ, I want you to be very sensitive in prayer. And when the Lord brings people to your face and to your mind, call them. Some of them are, are having major issues with their children. They're having problems with their grandkids. They see things happening. Some are depressed. Some are, people are going through things. And um, even in those, in those circumstances, your word, that water that, of life that you bring, that prayer that you bring could be that their salvation for that day. And I want to encourage you to engage in, in your public schools. You are a little bit safer than a lot of the schools, but with all of this teaching that's coming in and all of this other corruption, I mean, I, I, I'm bilingual, okay? I speak Spanish very well. Uh, my granddaughter, who is five, is going to start going to a bilingual school. So in San Antonio area. I mean, I've even thought about which I probably will do it, um, substitute teaching a little bit in the school whenever I have availability, just so that I can go into that school system and seeing what's happening, okay? I think we need to engage our nation. And if you look at all of the scriptures where it talks about all the sin of witchcraft, homosexuality, all this other stuff, it also talks about the pollution of the land, and it, it talks about how we are, uh, how the land is blessed, it being divided, but those things bring and they cause the land to be polluted. And so I want to just encourage you today that you are a blessing that wherever you, your feet go, you have authority. Wherever you have been invited, you have authority. Wherever you're employed, you have authority. Okay? Wherever your kids are in public school, you have some kind of authority. Now, please, I, I know y'all don't think I'm this meek, shy person after <laughs> visiting, but even in these big companies where they have diversity training and other types of things trying to cram things down our throats, it's okay to say and come backwards and say, hey, I feel like you're discriminating against me. And I, I, I did that whenever I worked for a large company. And I told the compliance department, I feel like you are discriminating against me. Oh, well, we didn't make, mean to make you feel like that. And I sent another email back. Oh, I, I told him, I said, look, you might be sued one day for making me have to do that avatar that you wanted me to do to decide to tell you how I saw myself. And I said, and I feel like I don't want to do that. You should um, give me an opt-out. Because I use the word sue them, whom I'm employed by, and quite frankly, very good employment, um, because of that, I can't tell you from how many higher-ups of all the emails that I got trying to say, oh, no, no, we didn't mean to, we didn't mean to, we didn't mean to. So I'm telling you, learn to protect yourself, learn to protect your future, 
Please engage. We really have no choice. We cannot be like Queen Esther in the beginning where she, where Haman had already made the decree and Mordecai had to send her word and say, Esther, do not think that you shall be saved from this. We are to engage around us. So find a way to engage. Find a way to protect. Find a way to be involved. Find a way for your voice to be heard. Find a way, all right, whatever that way is. Please do not think because you are 65 or 66 in seven months and whatever, whatever that age is of retirement, I'm not thinking about retiring, okay? I'm 62. I know I look good for 62, right? I'm not thinking about retiring, so in all of your, oh my God, I finally get to retire, but you're not retiring from God. You're not retiring from engagement. And we have a generation to participate in its salvation. Amen? Amen. I love you. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's faith, right? Clap before you hear somebody. <laughs> that is faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I, th I think the truth does deserve acknowledgement, huh? Right. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's just pray for a moment before we start. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your work that you have done in us among us, and through us. We thank you for what you want to do in the future. We thank you that you would help us to be willing vessels, faithful vessels, faith vessels who will not quit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Just before we get into the Word of God, let's just share, I want to share a little bit about what, what's happening in Ethiopia. Uh, of course, as with every, everybody, uh, because of COVID, everything's kind of slowed down some because, you know, uh, people were at home and didn't, didn't get out or when they got out, they didn't get out for long or many different things were happening. But, you know, uh, the Lord is not restricted by COVID. And uh, we still saw him do work. Hallelujah. We graduated from the Victory Bible College, uh, almost uh, around a little over 160 people. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, uh, you know, if the devil could work, we should be able to work. Isn't that right? <laughs> I believe that the Lord could work if the devil could work. Hallelujah. And uh, somebody said to me, what would you do if you got COVID? I said, I would recover. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> I would recover. There you go. Hallelujah. And uh, so... It's really the thing to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so uh, 
Anyhow, we, we also have a church there for those who don't know our, about us. We started a church there, and uh, it's a growing church. Uh, we have like 55 kids in our children's ministry. We have parents who bring their children there, and they go to another church. One lady came the other day and said, uh, I'm not bringing my child here anymore because uh, we don't want to leave our church, but our child don't want to come to our church. So we're not going to come here anymore. We said, okay. And so they didn't come for a week, and then the next week they came. You know, God is interested in every age. And you know, a lot of, a lot of times churches in Ethiopia don't focus on young people. But what they're going to find out in, an, in another generation, they're not going to have anybody. Because in another generation, the people they didn't reach are not going to come. And so uh, I just, we, in every generation, we have to be generational. Because God is not the God of Abraham. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. We, we did, a, we did a, a marriage seminar, and our church filled up with it because there's a great need in marriages. Even people do not acknowledge it. There's still a great need in marriages. We're gonna, in fact, we're going to start a marriage and family center. We call it Beth Shalom, which means, uh, ho- it can mean different things, but we're meaning it to mean home or the home of wholeness. Because one thing shalom means peace, it also means wholeness. And so we believe the home are to be whole. Because, you know, uh, God must like the home. He started with the home, not with the church. In Genesis, the first institution was the home. And then the church came. I believe the church can't really be any stronger than the home. And so... uh, we're, we're, we did a marriage seminar, every, every, it just filled up because people really want help. And uh, we called it marriage for a lifetime. You know, not marriage until noontime. <laughs> you know, the, sometimes we have divorce as the first option, but marriage for a lifetime should be the first option. In fact, if you do it right, it should be the only option. And so uh, we're not talking about marriage today, but uh, we just want you to know that God is working mightily in marriages. I believe he's going to do that in these last days. And so uh, we have a a lot of good things. You know, people are overcome. You know, not only do people have to overcome COVID, they have to overcome fear. Fear is the real pandemic. You know, uh, fear is worse than COVID. You know, COVID or Corona, you know, the Corona, that's a Spanish word for crown. But I don't want to give any crown to anybody but Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to call Jesus. He's the one wearing the Corona. He's got the crown. He is Lord. Amen. And so we, we, you know, after a war, people, they have a reconstruction and a restoration. 
You know, after fear, you have to have a reconstruction and a restoration. In other words, sometimes people are, so, you know, it's amazing. Fear really even affects your immune system. And sometimes, you know, people even get sick before they're sick. If you don't know what that means, you can ask me afterwards. Uh, but uh, I believe we live in a day where we have a God that's greater than fear. Amen. That we have a God in Him there is no fear. And we can abide in Him. And we can be under the shadow of the Most High. Because what God has for us in the last days requires us to be fearless. To be bold. To live a supernatural life, meaning a life beyond our own life. And so, I want to take my text today from uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 Maybe a familiar text with you for you. I want to talk a little bit about identity today uh, and identity theft. You know, in a, in our world, identity theft is means somebody stole your social security number or your some kind of numbers or passwords or stuff like that, and they are pretending to be you. But in the Bible, identity theft is not about that, but it's about stealing your awareness of who you are. Stealing your awareness of who you are, and as we read here, you're going to find out that identity theft results in theft of your destiny. The theft of your destiny. And so I want to read here from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want us to look at this verse for a little bit and then a couple of other things and then we'll be finished. But the word workmanship is interesting. One translation said, instead of his workmanship, that we're his masterpiece. Hallelujah. His masterpiece. And you know, you can see that even from the book of Genesis where God did everything. He called it good. After he, after he created man, he said it's very good. He's, we're the masterpiece. Hallelujah. And uh, another translation said, we're his work of art. Hallelujah. We're his work of art. And then the Greek word actually means we get our work, our, it, it means uh, workmanship. It, it does mean workmanship, but we get our word poem from that, that we're his poem. You know, uh, I believe God wants to write a lot of poems in this earth through us, through our lives. And... Uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus Christ was the pattern. He was the pattern that we were created in uh, spiritually when we were born again. 
We're not made in the image of an angel, but in the image of God's very own son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And uh, that makes us unique because Christ is the only unique one in heaven. No other angels like him. No angels like him. And so we are unique in that we were made in his image. We are custom designed by the master's hand. We're designed to be a model of him. Hallelujah. And uh, I, I want us to just think about it a minute. Because, see, we were created for a purpose. In other words, you are not an experiment. Hallelujah. You're not an accident. Hallelujah. You were created by a God with, that has unlimited wisdom. You were created by a God who planned a destiny for you. Hallelujah. And uh, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, because as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Hallelujah. Notice it says, for those who love him, not for those whom he loves. Sometimes people read that one way, but they're thinking it says it another way. But it says things prepared that our eyes have never seen, our ears have never heard, never has it entered into the heart of man. In other words, never have we believed it before. We had, it was not even something, it's beyond what we've believed. But God has prepared. Hallelujah. God has prepared things for those who love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, but God, verse 10, has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The deep things of God. Deep has the idea of being hidden. But the Spirit of God has given, been given to us to reveal what has been hidden. What has been hidden. And so, I believe in these last days we will see many things revealed that have been hidden. Things that involve our destiny. Because it says, again, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you. Uh, you know, it says we were created in Christ Jesus. But Galatians 2.20 says that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. It's no longer I who lives, Paul said. But it is Christ who lives in me. It is Christ who lives in me. 
So that new life I have after being born again is not human life. It is the life of Christ. The life that I have now, the life that I live by now from my spirit is the life of Christ. His life is from God. His life is from God. And so, this is what I believe every Christian needs to find out. You know, because I made the, 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 uh, the statement earlier that in these last days, we must live beyond ourselves. We can never live beyond ourselves unless we live by his life. We can never live beyond ourselves unless we live by his life. His life gives us a unique identity. His life gives us an identity that no one can have except with his life. His life gives us an identity to be a son of God. Hallelujah. It gives us an identity to be a son of God, the true and living God. Hallelujah. It, you know, living beyond ourselves means that we don't live like we used to live. But we found a life that's greater than our life. And you know, I think we, we, we sometimes we want to live for the Lord, but I think that means we want to use our life to live for him. But really, I think the Bible teaches us not to live for the Lord, but to let the Lord live through us. Amen. To let the Lord live through us. You know, the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit, but in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, you're walking by the life of Christ. So you're letting His life live through you. That means you can be more than who you are. We won't be just mere men. But we can live beyond who we are naturally, and we can live a supernatural life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to talk about our identity for a little bit, but because it's connected to our destiny. Because God has prepared works for us to do beforehand. You know, sometimes I'm busy, so some, sometimes somebody there in the church office, they schedule some appointments for me because I didn't have time. I was doing something else. And so they schedule appointments, and then they come to me, and they said, this is scheduled at this time. This is scheduled at this time. This is scheduled at this time. You see, God has scheduled appointments for us. See, beforehand, before time began, God made appointments for your life. And that's why we need the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost leads us into those appointments. He leads us to keep those appointments, and he empowers us to keep those appointments. He leads us to them. He's the one who brings and shows us what the appointments are. He's the one that shows me what I need to do today. He's the one that shows me what I need to do and empowers me to do it. 
You know, he, he, he's, he's the helper. He is the helper. That means he's the one who gives me the assistance I need to keep that appointment and to fulfill that appointment. And you know, those appointments are what becomes our destiny. Those appointments are what becomes our destiny. You know, when I think about many years ago, I was born just in San Antonio, Texas. But my father, mother, they, my mother, they, they worked there, but or my mother worked there. But uh, really, I, we lived in Hondo. I grew up in Hondo. So who'd ever thought a young man in Hondo would be called to be a missionary in Ethiopia? Maybe Utopia. But not Ethiopia. You know, I remember when I was, you know, I, I remember hearing a song, a guy saying a song, Lord, please don't send me to Africa. I'm not sure it was a Christian song. He was a Christian. But he said, please don't send me to Africa. I didn't ever sing the song. I guess maybe that's why I went. Uh, but anyhow. But you know, I never thought I would ever go to Ethiopia. Actually, I didn't even think I was going to ever leave Texas, you know, because Texas is the, the, the last stop before heaven. <laughs> if you're watching from another country, I mean, another country or another uh, city or state, <laughs> uh, there's still time for you to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good humor helps us sometimes. Because life doesn't always have humor, but <laughs> we can have humor. And so, uh, but I want to I talk a little bit about good works. Because, you know, we, we taught so long that you're not saved by good works. I think sometimes people stop doing them. <laughs> Hello? I'm not saved by good work. No, I'm not saved by good works. You don't have to do anything. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything. You know, good, good works are not for before you're saved. They're for after. But I want to define the word good from the Bible, from the Greek word good. The word good really is the same as we, we kind of think. Uh, it, it, Basically, good means beneficial to another. You benefit somebody else. In fact, we, all, we make statues to people who benefited other people, and we say they were a good person. Is that right? So we have that basic definition, but we don't really sometimes have it working in our life. Because sometimes we're, we're trying to secure, our, we spend our life securing ourselves. We spend our life helping ourselves because we don't want to be in lack. We don't want to be unsafe. We don't want, so we spend a lot of our life uh, focusing on ourselves. And, you know, sometimes people, with, they, they do good works with their money, but it's not necessarily with the heart. 
And so I want to talk a little bit about good works because, uh, you know, that's what you are ordained to do. And if we don't do good works, we're not going to connect to the destiny that God has for us. And uh, now, if you think I'm talking about you individually, uh, you're right. <laughs> I'm glad you came. <laughs> so, so, you see, because a good work can make a lot of difference in the future of people. A good action can do, change somebody's life. You know, most people's lives are changed because something good happened to them. The Bible says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. But we're not going to see the goodness of God most of the time except through other people. Because that's how he shows his goodness. How many of you know it says we are the light of the world? Doesn't it say that? Why? Because the light of the world lives in us. To make us the light. But he says, don't cover that light with a basket. Isn't that right? It says, let your light. When you say, when it says, let your light, it means you will have to allow it. That, doesn't mean, that means it doesn't have to happen automatically. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Really? <laughs> so if somebody, if I talk to somebody about you, what would they say they see in you? Your new truck? Hello? Your nice house? What does God want them to see? The light. How's they going to see the light? Good works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works and glorify God, Father. And so uh, I have to ask myself, what are people seeing in my life? Because if they're not seeing good works, then am I even fulfilling my destiny? Now you see why I'm saying I'm talking to you. Because uh, it's easy to do nothing. And so stress-free. I mean, it's easy to do nothing. I believe it was one of the founding fathers said a statement similar to this. Maybe it not exactly. But if good men do nothing, evil prevails. And so I wonder sometimes if we would have to fight evil as much as if we would have done good to begin with. You see, I think good is a prevention of evil. You know, they always say that, uh, uh, what is it, an ounce of Cure is worth a, what, a pound of, or ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure or something like that. Yeah, unless you're from British. British. Then it's, it's not ounces. And <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is 
I think in these last days, God wants to do good through us. He wants to show himself through us. And good shows up in many different ways. And, and you know, love is the greatest expression of good there is. We say God is good, but God is love. And you know, anybody can argue with you about what you believe, but nobody can argue with how you love. I can say, I believe that men don't come from monkeys. You could say, well, I believe they do. I'd say, well, go live with your relatives. (laughs) If you think it's so wonderful, just go there. And if men come from monkeys, how come they still don't? And so, so you could argue with me and say, well, science says, you know, science is no better than the person who interprets it. Science is how you read the results. Yeah, it's half full. No, it's half empty. You know? Well, you know, people act like monkeys sometimes. Yeah, sometimes worse. But it doesn't make you from a monkey. Well, you know, there is no scientific proof uh, about, you know, that a person has to, that a man has to be a man, a woman has to be a woman. You see, you can twist anything. But when you love somebody, it cannot be argued with. What can you say? You didn't really do it? No, you did it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You can't say he didn't do it. And so, we live in a day, and you know, you think about James, who is a half-brother to Jesus, and uh, he, he writes exactly how Jesus lived. He said, to be not a hearer only, but a doer of the word. See, good works are the product of doing the word. And the motivation for good works has to be love. And love is what makes you sacrifice because God's love is sacrificial. Love is what makes you go the extra mile. Love is what makes you do without so somebody else can have something because you have it all the time. Love is what takes us from our ivory castles into a street to find people who are in need. And so, one guy came to an Ethiopian. He lives in America now. He's a famous singer. He came to our church. And he said to me, he said, uh, because he recognized I was white. I don't know how, but he recognized I was white. And he, and he said to me, he said, uh, Pastor Charles, how can you, I mean, how do you deal with it here that sometimes there's no water? 
Sometimes there's no electricity, and sometimes there's no internet. See, because that's why he went to America. I said, well, I just think about the Apostle Paul, who never had water, who never had electricity, who never had it, internet. And he wrote two-thirds of the Bible. And everybody says, oh, you know, I want to be like Jesus or Paul, and they didn't have electricity. I wish I could be like Jesus. Really. <coughs> we could sign up right after the service. How do I deal with that? I look at what I have. Hallelujah. You see, you have to put your mind on what you have. What I have is greater than what I don't have. What I have is greater than what I don't have. When what you have is greater than what you don't have, then what you don't have will never limit you. Hallelujah. And so, you know, in being part of a church, you can be a part of the works of the church. Y'all do works in uh, different countries, and praise God. But you know, you should not assume that that's all God wants you to do. Because the, the, the commandment is to love your neighbor. And your neighbor, what does neighbor mean? You know, uh, it's not the commercial, the... Your good neighbor, or whatever that commercial is. State Farm. We're not talking about that kind of neighbor. The word neighbor means the person near you. The person near you. Because, see, I found the Lord because of the love of a lady that taught the high school Sunday school class. I made great grades in school. I was a real intellectual, but that love broke through my intellectual thinking and showed me who God really was. And when I found out who God really was, I wanted him and no one else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's many people who go through a lot of things in life and they, you know, they don't have the Lord and you wonder how can they make it without the Lord. But we need to be there so they can make it and find the Lord. And in these last days, Jesus wants people to know him more than ever before because we don't want his death on the cross to be in vain. I mean, if he died for the whole world, then we should want the whole world to know. Amen. For God so loved the world. If that same love is in me, we, I should love the world. Is that right? Yeah. There's the world away and there's a world that's near me. 
You know, I think of a lady in South Korea, and she, it was a high-rise apartment complex, and she would stand by the elevator every day, and when people would come in with groceries or something, she would help them to their house, to their apartment. And she would do that, and after she helped them a number of times, then she would invite them to her house to a Bible study. And many people got saved. In fact, at one point, she chartered a bus, or chartered buses, for 2,000 people to go to church. It all started with her helping them take groceries to their house. You see, there's many ways. You don't have to be a preacher to do a good work. And if people start doing good, you would be surprised the reputation that Jesus would get. Hallelujah. I remember in, you know, I, I was preaching in a church. It's a church outreach church. It's called World Outreach Center. And it's truly an outreach church. The guy goes to Egypt, Somali. And he goes many places preaching the gospel where it's dangerous. And I went to the, and I was preaching in the church. And afterwards, the Lord said to me, he said to me, uh, I want you to give. He said, I want, I want you to give an offering to the secretary. You know, you think maybe to the pastor, right? but to the secretary, okay? And so, you know, I, I said to the pastor, can, I, afterwards, can we meet so I, can, I, I have something I want to give to the secretary? He said, okay, I can, but we can just got to do it shortly because I got to go to a wedding. Uh, and so afterwards, I was, I was talking to the, the, to the secretary, and he was interpreting, and you know, I says, the Lord wants me to give you this gift. And so as money, I gave her a gift. And then the Lord said to me, now I want to give her a gift. I said, I thought this was what you wanted to do. <laughs> no, he said, no. The Lord said, I have a word for her. Well, that's a gift, right? Yeah. And so I gave her the prophecy. But then we rushed out. And then two weeks later, the pastor met with me and said to me, he said, uh, I want to tell you what happened last Sunday because I didn't have time. This woman's a secretary. She's a single lady. And she had given three months of her salary for us to do a revival here in Addis Ababa. And so that means for, with, she wouldn't have salary for three months. And, you know, these people don't have much to begin with. And so she really sacrificed. But th what the Lord told me to give her was more than three months. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you think that says that God loves you? Are you? Yes. Yeah. Do you think that makes her want to be more, do more for the Lord? Yes. Another one. I'm in a... I'm in the place where we live. When we first went to start going to Ethiopia, we lived in this certain home, and there's a cook there. Her name is Sinadu, and she was 
cooking and she, you know, she don't know, she makes very little because the Bible college don't have much to give her and that's where she lives and it's her only income. She makes very little. And so she saves every bit she can and uh, to help her mother with paying rent. And so a guy came that day and there was one student on campus left from the, the school. He was there studying for writing a paper and, he, and then a guy comes to the, to the campus and he's crazy as a, a demon and so the guard brings him back to that student. All this is happening. I'm inside studying. I don't know what's happening but it's, they take him back and this guy, you know, he gets delivered, hallelujah, from the demons. He was actually on his way to kill his sister because a witch doctor told him if he did that, he could be very blessed. I mean, he could be very, uh, not blessed, I didn't use the word blessed, but you know, he could prosper. There you go. Anyhow, he was going. He doesn't, he's not saved or anything. And so he's just, this demon is working in him. He's going to go kill her. But he got delivered that day and saved. And so now he's going to go help his sister because the sister is in ministry. That's why the devil wants him to get killed. So now Sinadu gives her mother's rent to this guy so he can go to be with his sister and help her. Now that's the rent for the mother's house. And you know, it's harder to give your mother's rent than your rent. Isn't that right? I mean, but I'm in my room and the Lord says, I want you to go give Sinadu this much money. And so I went and gave it to her. I, had, I didn't know all the other was happening. And when I did, her eyes got really big. And she started crying. She said, you know, and she told me the story. But the money I gave her was more than what she gave. You see, even... Like we have, we, we had a home, a project, and some of you know this, with, with homeless people for a while we had this one uh, facility. We don't have it right now, so, but we did, we, we, we met with maybe 64 different guys over the period of time we had it. And, and, and maybe nine or ten are still in the church today. Some of them went different ways when we didn't have the place for them to live anymore. But nine or ten are still in the church, and one of them, you know, he just wanted a better life. He was in military before. He wanted a better life. And so we had a camera that was donated to the church. It was a $5,000, not dollar, American dollar, $5,000 camera is donated to the church to, you know, to, to, to film and do things for put on TV or on Internet. Sunday morning, he came one Sunday morning to me and got the keys as... Normally he gets keys from somebody else, but he got them from me because he, he goes and sets up before the service. That morning he, got, he went, but he didn't set up. He, he took the camera and he left. He left Addis, went to Djibouti, which is on the coast of the Red Sea. He was going to go across to Yemen, and then from Yemen he was going to go to Dubai where he could get a better life. So he went and he sold the camera and got money to do all that to get a better life. He got to Djibouti, but you see, he started thinking. 
He said, I started thinking, Pastor Charles, how much you had loved me. I started thinking of how good you had been to me. And he said, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go. So he came back. But he didn't come back to us. He came back. He went to the police station. And he turned himself in for stealing the camera. They called us. We went there. We didn't press charges. And so we just brought him, home, brought him back, and we started talking to him. We brought his family in. He had been estranged from his family for a long time. They were reunited. And then he took us to the place where he sold the camera, and the guy still had the camera. Hello? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. See, when you learn to walk in God's goodness, your steps will be ordered. Huh? So the guy is a Christian. He gives us the camera back. He said, I don't want to take a camera from a church. We said, we don't want you to take a camera from the church either. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we didn't say that. But, but you know what it says more than anything I didn't care about the camera. What I cared about is that this guy's life was changed. You know, all of us can fall, but this guy got back up and repented. And it's true repentance if you go to the police instead of to us. I mean, they could come back and he could beg for our mercy, but when you go to the police, begging for mercy is not an option. Isn't that right? Oh, please be merciful. This is the police. So what it said that his life was changed. Why? Because of love and showing the goodness of God to him. It led him to repentance. Hello? It led him to repentance. Over these last years, I have seen so many people's lives changed because God showed his goodness to them. I believe in these last days that, you see, because God's glory is when his goodness is manifested. And one of the outpour, you know, we always think about services where God's glory is output, but I think there's going to be a more of an output of glory, uh, outpouring of God's glory even in the highways and the byways where, God, where people are showing God's goodness. I don't think it's made just for a church service. I think it's going to happen out there. And I think it's going to happen through us. So I'm here to challenge you today to really start listening to the Holy Spirit. Because if we live like the world, no one will never know the Lord. If we live like the world, then they won't, won't even know you're a Christian probably. But you know, it's time for us to live a different life. Even I'm challenged myself to even do more than I did before. To be more sensitive to the Spirit of God. To believe that every day God wants to use you. To believe every day God wants to speak through you. God wants to help somebody through you. Instead of hiding from people, we are shining a light to people. Hallelujah. 
I believe that when we walk with God, many things we used to try to always get, we won't have to get them anymore. They'll just come. I believe he'll take care of us. You know, when I first went to Ethiopia, people always came to me because even though I'm white, they thought I was green, that I had money because I'm from America. In America, everybody is rich. And, you know, in some, in some sense, everybody's rich kind of compared to there. But, so everybody wanted to tell me their vision so I could invest in it. And, uh, but, you know, as I begin to love people and show the lo- love of God and minister and help people, now people come to me and give me money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People come to me and give money. And, and, and what's wonderful is because I'm wanting to give money to somebody, so somebody gives me money so I can give money to somebody. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? But you know what happened? I mean, I, I'm living there, but the person, the, the people own the apartments, they said, you can, we, we won't charge you for this year. I mean, you'd like to live in an apartment you don't have to pay for one year. Hallelujah. But see, when you are doing the right thing, see, I don't want to do something for God. I want to do something with God. When you do something with God, I mean, things just start working out. Hallelujah. A lot of times people do things for God that God doesn't even want to do. Like, well, I built this for you, God. Really? Okay, what are we going to do with it? Well, it's for you, God. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying God doesn't appreciate it, but, you know, God knows what he wants to do. So don't do something for him. That's kind of like when you give a gift to somebody that you like. Isn't that what people do? <laughs> or something you think that person needs. Like one guy, bless his heart, husband, he, said, he gave his wife for, her anniversary, for their anniversary, he gave her a vacuum cleaner. I mean, you just pray he has another anniversary. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you, when we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, we're going to find out what God wants to do today. What does God want to do today? He's going to open your eyes to opportunities. Open your eyes even to see needs that may not be obvious and give you an open door to be part of the answer instead of good men doing nothing and evil prevailing. Because we may be the only Jesus some people see. Selfishness requires no education. You'll never see a course on selfishness. People are already professionals. It's easy to do, be selfish. All you have to do is nothing. But Jesus came to be selfless. You know, you can never experience fulfillment like the Bible means fulfillment unless you love like he loves. 
when you love like he loves, you will be truly fulfilled. And you will experience something that's beyond this world. You know, when I was young, I thought almost most of the time about myself. But through the years, God has helped me to say, to look beyond myself. Because there is a love that's greater than loving yourself. And so, I just want to say a couple more things and then we'll... I don't keep you too long in case you're thinking about yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many different ways to identify selfishness. But my identity comes from who I am in Christ. You know, who I am in Christ is my identity. And that identity causes me to have a certain mentality. That identity causes me to have purpose. I have purpose. It causes me to have a double identity. I have an identity as an individual son of God. And I have a corporate identity as being a member of the body of Christ. I have a double identity. And so, not only is that, but that perp, not only is that identity give me purpose, it gives me a, a, a it, it causes me to be accepted and belong. I have an acceptance and a belonging. I belong somewhere. I have an acceptance. And you know what? One thing it just really blesses me, it gives me value. I have a value beyond measure because of the price that was paid for me. And you know what? I've noticed in my life that when I recognize my value, then my tendency is to give value to people. But when I feel like I don't have value, I want to get value from people. So when I realize who I am in Christ, it makes me a giver. But when I don't realize who I am in Christ and I still think I need something to be important, I need something to be special, I need something to be valuable, then I'm going to try to get that from you. From you to recognize me, you to give me something, you to uh, you know, promote me, you to do something for me so that I can be valuable. But when I have value, because God did not spare his own son, how shall he not freely give us all things? But he did not get, spare his own son. He gave his son. That's the price he paid for me. So that's where my value comes from. My value doesn't come from what I do. My value doesn't come from where I'm born or my possessions or my abilities, my education. It doesn't come from anything. My value comes from what was paid for me. And then it was backed up by what was put into me. I mean, you know, Jesus gave his life for me, then he put his life in me. I have that value now. When I have value, what am I going to do with that value? You know, when you have a lot of money, especially if you're thinking of yourself, right? 
or myself. It's not hard to spend. Even you might not mind giving people money if you have a lot of money. See, when you have value, you don't mind giving value. You want to give value because you want people to experience the same thing you did. And so I'm saying God wants to make you into a giver. A giver. Hallelujah. A giver. One last thing and then we'll, we'll close. I'll close my Bible so you can feel good. <laughs> Is this that our position in Christ is tells us our potential. That means what's possible. But our fellowship with God tells what we can do now. It's our current capacity. And so our position in Christ says what we can shoot for, but our fellowship in God with God tells what we can act on. And so I encourage you to have fellowship with God because your fellowship with God is going to determine what you can really do. Our position in Christ tells you what we can uh, strive for. But we cannot achieve any more than we will fellowship with God because He is our strength. He is our life. So I encourage you to hear the Holy Spirit, as we fellowship with Him, God is going to move upon you to do things that you haven't done before. To speak to things people, to people that you haven't spoken before. To help people in ways you haven't helped people before. To do things. And then you're going to give credit to the Lord. And they're going to glorify God. So the Bible says, Arise and shine. For the light has come. And I'm challenging you to arise and shine because the light has come and lives inside of us. So take the bushel basket off and let the light shine. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we live in a world where there's darkness Father, and there's darkness that's increasing even by the day and by the hour. We've, we witness darkness that we have never seen before in our lifetimes. But your word says in Isaiah that when darkness comes and even gross darkness, that we should arise and shine because your light has come. We should arise and shine. Father, I pray for every person in this church, every person that's watching by internet, every person that they would look in Isaiah 60 and they would see that this is the time to arise and shine. This is the time to arise and shine. Thank you, Father, for the strength and the courage to arise and shine so that people know that there is a 
God who's greater than evil and that there is a God who loves and saves and heals and delivers and provides and protects the God we all call Father. Thank you, Father, for letting us and helping us to shine and take the bushel bushel basket off of our life and and let our light shine, the light you've put in us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now do that for somebody else. Yeah, huh? Go into Ethiopia. You know, you want to get a part of this. Like I said, I'm your stockbroker. It's a good investment. And so uh, just make your checks out to Living Waters Church, and we'll cut him one check. But uh, if you need an offering envelope, lift your hands. Ushers will get you one. Praise God. Good word. Good word. Good word. So put your hand on your offer. Let me pray over it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now. You're so good to us. I ask you, Lord, right now as we sow into uh, the ministry of, of Pastor Charles and Michelle, Lord God, and what's going on in Ethiopia and with them in the world, Lord, I just thank you we want to sow into them. We want, to, we want to invest in it and what's going on, Lord, so that they can see your hand moving over there. And, Lord, we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good word. Good word. So how long are you going to be in the States before you got to go back? All right. So you got a few months there. Praise God. Get to experience some Texas heat. Because it's really nice and cool. And just and no problems in Ethiopia, right? <laughs> Praise God. Well, what a blessing. I've always been so surprised at what God does with us here in, in, at, at Living Waters and how God always brings the best through here and gives us opportunities to sow. I mean, what, what's the odds that we'd be even having an opportunity to sow into anything going on on that side of the world? And uh, God always brings it about. Amen. So if you would, stand up. Y'all can stand up and keep passing the bucket. I won't make you hold hands. That way you can still get a hand to pass the bucket. How about that? But let's do what Pastor Charles is preaching, what the Spirit of God is saying to each and every one of us. You know, folks, you're the witness for Jesus out there. And so this week, we're going out there. Monday's starting off, kicking off. Start praying and asking God for somebody to let your... Shine your light through. Amen. Well, Father, I ask you just to bless them today. Lord, as we go off, I just declare that we're going to have divine appointments this week. We're going to have people we're going to meet. We're going to be able to shine. We're going to be able to bless. We're going to be able to do everything that you want done, Lord. Not what we want done, but what you want done. And so, Lord, I thank you for blessing the people, putting your hand upon them, and leading and guiding each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.